If your happy ending is no more joint pain, please try Sierra Sil with a money-back guarantee. It's all-natural joint pain relief that's changed our lives. Sierra, like the mountains, and Sil, like silicon. Go to sierrasil.com. Use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. I have for you tonight a story from Jacob and Wilhelm, the brothers Grimm, about an honorable young woman who is done wrong by a servant, but who finds justice and love at long last. Now, before you think she is perhaps half goose, half girl, which is kind of on track for the brothers Grimm, I'll ease your mind and tell you no. She tends geese. That's why she's a goose girl. Now, before we get to this story, let's take a few moments for some gratitude. I thank you for being here and part of the sleep community right around the world and for helping to spread word about drift. And I'm grateful to Envy Pillow for allowing you to listen for free. Kathy and Kim, two registered nurses, are behind Envy Pillows, designed for back and side sleepers. And me, obviously, since I've loved them for mm, going on two decades now. Made with your wellness and that of the planet in mind, each Envy Pillow is infused with antimicrobial and collagen-boosting copper. And if you don't love yours, return it for a full refund and they'll clean it and donate it to a shelter. But I think you're going to love so much at their website. And if you use the code DRIFT, you'll receive 10% off. Learn more in the morning at Envy Pillow. That's E-N-V-Y Pillow.com. And sleep with the best. Now, I'd like you to take in a deep breath, counting one, two, three... Four, holding, and now exhale, but to six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And again, inhale. One, two, three, four, holding, and now exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six. Good. Let's get your body ready to take in this wonderful story. If you would, just start to feel heavy in your bed, lying there or sitting in your chair, letting your limbs feel heavy, your ankles releasing their hold, and the same for your wrists. If you're able, wiggle your fingers and toes as though you're letting all of the day's activities escape. Now your calves and your thighs. Let them sink deeply into your bed, your chair, wherever you are. Oh, maybe even a hammock. Wouldn't that be nice? Gently rocking, rocking. Now move up your body and feel your hips release. Your backside sinking more deeply. Can you feel your heart beating? bringing life to that beautiful body of yours. And now to your shoulders. Drop 
them down so they no longer hold the tension of the day. And your neck. Breathe in and let it take a break from holding up that busy head of yours. Let your jaw hang limp. Are your eyes closed? Do your lids feel heavy? Good. Even your eyebrows and forehead, let them relax too. And with one more deep breath in and out, just think these words I am safe, I am loved, I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. There was once an old queen whose husband had been dead for many years, and she had only one child, a kind, loving, and, as it happens, very beautiful daughter. Now when she grew up, as was the custom of the time, her mother had to find a suitable mate for her daughter, so that she would be provided for in the event of future troubles in her own land, but also to protect her own kingdom and ensure peace and prosperity for her people in hopes that a marriage might forge an ally in a far-off country. The princess, whose name was Karina, agreed with her mother and knew that this was for the best, and so they listened to their advisers and sought out the most likely prospect among all of those whose names were raised. The mother and her small court wanted to find a young man who would be sure to be a kind and generous husband, one who would treat the princess well and thus ease her mother's broken heart. It came to pass that Karina was betrothed to a prince in a distant country. The time came for the maiden to travel to this faraway land to be married. Because she loved her daughter so very dearly, the old queen packed up trunks and bags filled with clothes and jewels, gold and silver, cups and ornaments, and in fact, everything suitable to her future stature as queen, which one day she would be. Of course, the young woman could not travel alone, but the queen could spare no one except a waiting woman, who was expected not only to accompany her, but to put her hand into that of the bridegroom and make sure the princess would be treated well and that it was a good match. It was a great responsibility for the humble, quiet woman, but the queen thought her trustworthy. For their journey, they each had a horse. The princess's horse was called Falada, whom Karina had raised from a foal and with whom she had a special friendship for Falada could speak. More importantly to the young girl, though, her horse used its velvety, twitching ears to listen, thus cementing a bond closer than any girl and horse had ever enjoyed. The servant's mount, while fine enough, was an older and much more modest animal, solid and reliable, just like the waiting woman herself was thought to be. When the hour of departure came, the old queen bore the burden of her grief with stoicism, 
knowing that this was for the best for her kingdom and its people, as well as for her daughter. But before saying their final goodbyes, the somber mother went to her bedroom and with a sharp little knife cut her finger and made it bleed. Then she held a piece of white linen under it and let three drops of blood fall upon it. She folded it into a tiny square and gave this cloth to her daughter and said, Dear child of my heart and blood of my blood, take good care of this. It will stand you in good stead on the journey. They then bade each other a sorrowful farewell. The princess tucked the piece of linen into the neckline of her dress, mounted her horse, and with a wave to her mother and fighting back tears, she set out to her bridegroom's country. When the two women had ridden for several hours, the princess became parched and said to the waiting woman, Please get down and fetch me some water in my cup from the stream. I must have something to drink. If you are thirsty, said the waiting woman, dismount yourself, lie down by the water and drink. I don't choose to be your servant any more. Her great surprise, outmatched by her even greater thirst, the princess dismounted and stooped down to the stream and drank, as she was not allowed to have a cup, golden or otherwise. The poor princess said, Alas! And the drops of blood answered, If your mother knew this, it would break her heart. The soon-to-be royal bride was humble, so she said nothing, but mounted her horse again, and off they went. Then they rode several miles further, but the day was warm, the sun was scorching, and the princess was soon thirsty again. When they reached a river, she called out again to her waiting woman, Get down, please, and give me some water in my golden cup. In her gentle kindness, she had forgiven and forgotten all about the rude words which had been said to her by the woman earlier. But this time, she answered more haughtily than ever, If you want a drink, get the water for yourself. I told you, I won't be your servant any more, young miss. Being very thirsty, the princess dismounted and knelt by the flowing water. Out of an impending sense of loneliness and abandonment and the hurt that her companion's coldness had caused her, she began to cry and said, Ah, oh, me! And that's when, again, the drops of blood answered, If your mother knew this, it would break her heart. While she knelt over the water to drink, the piece of fabric with the drops of blood on it fell out of her dress and floated away on the stream. But in her tears and great sadness, she never noticed. The waiting woman, however, had seen the dappled shred of white as it wended its way downstream and rejoiced at getting more power over the bride, who, by losing the drops of blood, had become weak and powerless. A plan began to form in her cold heart as they prepared to continue their journey to the new kingdom. 
When Karina was about to mount her horse again, the waiting woman said, New rules for you, you spoiled brat. By rights, Falada belongs to me. This old nag will do for you. Poor Karina was obliged to give way and pass over the reins to her dearest friend, Falada. Then the waiting woman, in a harsh voice again, ordered her to take off her royal robes and to put on her own humble garments. Finally, she forced her to swear before heaven that she would not tell a creature at the court what had taken place. Had she not taken the oath, Karina would have been killed on the spot, and so she did make the promise. But Falada saw all this and remembered it well. The waiting woman then mounted Falada and put the real bride on her poor horse, and they continued their journey. After days and days of travel, their journey came to an end, and there was great rejoicing when they arrived at the castle. The prince hurried towards them and lifted the waiting woman from her horse, thinking that she was his bride. She was then led upstairs, but the real princess had to stay below. Hearing all of the commotion outside, the old king looked out of the window and saw the delicate, pretty little creature standing in the courtyard. So he went to the bridal apartments and asked the bride about her companion, who'd been left standing in the courtyard, and he wished to know who she was. I picked her up on the way and brought her with me for company. Please, Your Majesty, give the girl something to do to keep her from idling. But the old king had no work for her and could not think of anything she might do. At last he said, Ah, I have a little lad who looks after the geese. I suppose she may be of help to him. The boy was called Little Conrad, and the real bride was sent with him to look after the geese. Soon after, the false bride had another request, this time not of the king, but of his son. She said to the prince, Dear husband, I pray you, do me a favor. He answered, That I will gladly, for he was a good man, and although his wife was disagreeable at best, and most difficult to live with, he understood the importance of his vows and endeavored to make her happy, if such a thing was possible. Well then, here it is. Have one of your stable boys take away my horse, Falada. It misbehaved and upset me on our journey, and I do not wish to be reminded of all of that unpleasantness. Now, in reality, she was afraid that Karina's precious horse would speak and tell of her treatment of the princess. So it was settled, and the faithful Falada had to go. The stable boy would take it away the next day. When this came to the ear of the real princess, Karina ran down to the stables in the cover of darkness. There she promised the very same boy a piece of gold if he would do her a small favor. She explained that there was a great dark gateway to the town, through which she had to pass every morning and evening 
as she tended to her flock of geese. Would he please tie up Falada near this gateway so that she might see him as she passed? The boy happily agreed to accept the gold in payment for the request and promised to do whatever she wished. He tethered the horse near a dark gateway where the animal was surrounded by plenty of grass and greenery and had access to a small stream. In the early morning, when she and Conrad went through the gateway, she said in passing, Alas, dear Falada, there you stand. And the horse answered, Alas, queen's daughter, there you pass. Ah, if thy mother only knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great. Then the duo passed on out of town, right into the fields with the geese. When they reached the meadow, the princess sat down on the grass and let down her hair. It shone like pure gold, and when Conrad saw it, he was so delighted that he wanted to pluck out a handful to keep for himself. But she said, Blow, blow, little breeze, and Conrad's hat cease. Let him join in the chase while it is whirled, till my tresses are curled and I rest in my place. Then a strong wind sprang up, which blew away Conrad's hat right over the fields, and he had to run after it. When he came back, she had finished combing her hair and it was all put up again, so that he could not get a single strand. This made him very sulky, and he would not say another word to her. And they tended the geese till evening, when they went home. Next morning, when they passed under the gateway, the princess said, Alas, dear Falada, there you stand. And once again, Falada answered, Alas, queen's daughter, there you pass. If thy mother only knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great. Again, when they reached the meadows, the princess undid her hair and began combing it, and once again, pesky and persistent little Conrad ran to pull some out. But she said quickly, Blow, blow! little breeze, and Conrad's hat sees. Let him join in the chase, while away it is whirled, till my tresses are curled, and I rest in my place. The wind sprang up and blew Conrad's hat far away over the fields, and he had to run after it. When he came back, the hair was all put up again, and he could not pull out a single strand and they tended the geese till the evening. When they got home, Conrad went to the old king and said, Your Majesty, I have a complaint, and I won't tend the geese with that maiden any more. Why not? asked the king. Oh, she upsets me day after day. The old king then ordered him to say what she did to vex him. Conrad said, In the morning, when we pass under the dark gateway with the geese, she talks to a horse which is tied up nearby. 
she says, Alas, Falada, there you stand. And the horse answers, Alas, queen's daughter, there you pass. If thy mother knew thy fate, her heart would break with grief so great. Then Conrad went on to tell the king all that had happened in the meadow, and how he had to run after his hat in the wind. The old king shook his head and refused the goose boy's silly request. Instead, he ordered Conrad to go out next day as usual. Then, the following morning, the king placed himself behind the dark gateway and heard the princess speaking to Falada. He also followed her into the field and hid himself behind a bush, and with his own eyes he saw the goose girl and the boy come driving the geese into the field. Then, after a time, he saw the girl let down her hair, which glittered in the sun. Directly after this she said, Blow, blow, little breeze, and Conrad's hat sees. Let him join in the chase, while away it is whirled, till my tresses are curled, and I rest in my place. Then came a puff of wind, which carried off Conrad's hat, and he had to run after it. While he was away, the maiden combed and did up her hair, and all this the old king observed. After he had witnessed with his own eyes what was actually transpiring with the goose boy and the young maiden, he slipped away unnoticed. That evening when the goose girl came home, the king called her aside and asked her why she did all these things, talking to the horse, casting spells on the wind. That I may not tell you, your majesty, nor may I tell any human creature, for I have sworn it under the open sky, because if I had not done so, I should have lost my life. He pressed her again and again to tell him her story, and gave her no peace, but he could get nothing out of her. Then he said gently, Well then, if you won't tell me, tell your sorrows to the iron stove there. And he went away. At this the girl could not bear to keep her secret to herself any longer. She crept up to the stove, and beginning to weep and lament, unburdened her heart to it, and said, Here I am, forsaken by all the world, and yet I am a princess. A false waiting woman brought me to such a pass that I had to take off my royal robes. Then she took my place with my bridegroom, while I have to do humble work as a goose girl. If my mother knew it, it would break her heart. The old king stood outside by the pipes of the stove and heard all that she said. Then he came back and told her to go away from the stove. He called upon his servants to bring forth royal robes and to see that they were put upon her. Her beauty was a marvel. The old king called his son, and told him that he had a false bride. She was only a waiting woman, but the true bride was here, the so-called goose girl. 
The young prince was charmed with her youth and beauty, and as they talked, they both grew quite fond of each other. A great banquet was prepared, to which all the courtiers and good friends were invited. The bridegroom sat at the head of the table, with the princess on one side and the waiting woman at the other. But the nasty woman was so caught up in herself that she did not recognize the princess in her brilliant apparel and thought her just another visiting dignitary. When they had eaten and drunk and were all very merry, the old king put a riddle to the waiting woman. Tell me, my good woman, what does a person deserve who deceives their king? Telling the whole story and ending by asking, What doom does such a person deserve? The false bride answered, No better than this. He or she should be put in shackles and led far, far out of town, never to be seen by human eyes again. Well, then, that shall be your own doom, said the king, and the judgment shall be carried out. Before the poser princess could utter a word of denial, she was led away, and just as she had suggested, was never seen or heard from again. While the goose boy, well, he was ordered to tend to his flock alone, with no one to bother all the rest of his working days. Once justice was brought to the kingdom, the young prince married his true bride, who rode through the town next to her new husband, to a great and joyful reception from the people. She sat proud and tall atop her dear horse, Falada, who had helped bring a righteous end to his precious Karina suffering. Together the prince, the eventual king, and the woman who would be queen, ruled their kingdom in peace and happiness. Ah. And on that note, I will close our virtual book and wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>